And welcome to Stop the Presses. This is your host, Mark Anderson, on the 31st, yes, the last day of January 2024. And I am joined today by Ron Avery, my oftentimes co-host, co-commentator, etc. How are you doing today, Ron? Well, real good. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Um, I have an interesting item, to say the least, to share today. I'll be sharing that momentarily. It'll kind of fit in with something that Napoleon once said. Napoleon Bonaparte said, there are two levers by which men may be moved, fear and interest. Again, there are two levers by which men may be moved, fear and interest. And with Big Pharma, of course, they use fear against us to protect their interests financially. That's how the fear and interest plays into the COVIDocracy that developed in 2020, the bureaucracy that grew along with the fear factors that they pumped along uh, to uh, so-called fight COVID-19. And, of course, that faded away. A lot of people woke up. The alt-media, arguably, by and large, with some minor exceptions, benefited from the COVIDocracy and the fear that they ratcheted up in the establishment, the CDC, etc. And now they are trying to develop a World Health Organization treaty, a pandemic treaty, you could call it, and then the international health regulations that grow up alongside of it, and, of course, always reminding viewers that May 27 is the supposed World Health Organization deadline uh, to uh, develop and finalize that treaty, May 27th of this year. So, naturally, you want to be on your phone, on the phone with the congressman, your congressman, your senators, even at the state level, not just the federal level. You may not do this all the time. You may not like to do it. You may feel it's ineffective. But you want to talk to your local city councils, as well as county boards, state, and so on. Write them, email them, go to their meetings, go to their town hall meetings, whatever it might be, and raise the specter of the WHO trying to finalize a pandemic treaty and the international health regulations that go along with it. A few details, of course, the working group of the international health regulations is the body that's working on that IHR, and then there's the um, intergovernmental negotiating body. That's the body working on the instrument or treaty or agreement. And, of course, anything to do with the United Nations and the WHO is a outgrowth of the UN, just like the World Meteorological Organization, the, the WMO, anything to do with the UN because of the creation of the UN itself has some bearing, great or small, sooner or later, on U.S. sovereignty and the sovereignty of other nations, and therefore the sovereignty or uh, autonomy, the relative autonomy of governmental units within those nations, and right down to the individual and his or her right to consent to medical treatment and to back out or refrain from medical treatment of any kind, too, and that includes vaccines. This is all just kind of a background for what I'll be talking about today, which has its humorous side, as, as I'm sure Ron will concur. And because of what I'm saying, what's going on, the time frame, all the different entities involved, and I talked to James Roguski a little earlier, who's been following these, these things pretty much solely, his main or sole focus uh, regarding the, the WHO, I talked to him a little earlier, and I've got some interesting things from him that I'll reiterate and expand upon about the uh, deeper nature of these negotiations in Geneva, Switzerland. But before I get to that, I want to, of course, bring forth what I found the day before yesterday. And Ron, I'm sure, is chomping at the bit to get in on this. I go to the local... Uh, library in my hometown in South Texas, and I spy a stack of magazines on the table where public literature is handed out, 
There's 1040 tax forms there that people can grab, all sorts of things. And I find the Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak and the sources, generally speaking, along the bottom of it are U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the infamous CDC, the Texas Department of State Health Services, there's, there's a regrettable one, the USDA, Department of Agriculture, and everyone's favorite uh, county fair organization, 4-H. And so what this is, is essentially a comic book, The Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak. And one general thing I'll say about it, Ron, listeners, everyone here, is that while it says that it's calling on the readers to imagine themselves as junior disease detectives, Operation Outbreak, when you read through it, what you find is that these detectives are all expected to believe and accept 100% the government narrative of what they're so-called investigating. Imagine that, Ron. Imagine being Sherlock Holmes, but then Scotland Yard says, oh, by the way, Sherlock, you have to operate on our premises, our beliefs. You can't really be Sherlock Holmes because you're just a mouthpiece for the state. Imagine being that kind of detective, Ron. What does that mean? It means that you're not a detective at all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're just a guy doing what you're told to do. That's an an investigator. Truly, that is a modern investigator these days. Go out there and find nothing. Yes, sir. (laughs) oh well said uh what did you find um what did you find out there um um mr detective i found what you wanted me to find sir (laughs) that's right i found exactly what i was told to found nothing (laughs) it was the bad guys again it was those guys in the black hats (laughs) <laughs> or it was them right-wingers on RBN. They were saying nasty things about us. <laughs> That's right. They were Muslims. Boy, those guys were a bunch of Muslims on that deal, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, this 56 or so page, high, high glossy, high color, essentially comic book, Operation Outbreak, and I didn't read the whole thing because I found myself either getting a little angry or falling asleep. And those are almost two ir- irreconcilable things. <laughs> and, and yes, I prefer going to sleep. <laughs> right. Uh, but the there's a character in here. I think his name is Eddie. And he goes to a county fair. And there's 4-H posters on the wall in this you know, pretty well-drawn comic book with lots of sequences. I'd prefer Mad Magazine and Alfred E. Newman. I digress. But <laughs> the um, basically, Eddie gets sick and then has to go to a hospital. And then, again, without boring the readers, and I'll, I'll, I'll put a... Uh, a guide or a way of people getting an electronic copy of this for free. I'll put that in the show notes and you can look at it in more detail on your own. And I would encourage listeners live and on the archive, at least relay what I'm saying, but ideally get your copy electronically, which is free. You can look at it on your phone and your computer, your tablet and spread the word, warn people whose kids or your, your own young nephew, your own kid who might be uh, a teenager, um, you might want to warn them, although that can be tricky, sometimes the more you prohibit something, the more curious that teen will get or preteen. But in your own careful way, at least be aware of how they're trying, in my, in my estimation, Ron, to desperately, there's the word, desperately, uh, get through to preteens and young teens middle teens, and they're going for that demographic because what we were saying on the phone the other night, Ron, was that if they lose that demographic, who are tomorrow's adults, then they'll probably lose the narrative altogether or most of it. 
And yes. I think that's a fair statement. What do you think? Yeah, because that's the gap to the next generation. So if they lose that, you lose the young people that can't get to the next generation. Right. So you can see that they're very concerned that they've kind of lost the argument, or at least they certainly didn't win it, with adults, people, let's say, 25 on up into their middle age and even some of the elderly, that they've, they didn't succeed at the very least in getting as far with the narrative as they wanted. You might say they lost it. Uh, and at any rate, so this would seem to be a very tactical, strategic move on the part of Big Pharma and its friends in government to try and get a demographic capture here, uh, capture a certain demographic. Now, anyway, Eddie, our our poor Eddie who gets sick, has these dreams while he's, you know, not feeling well. And then there's these segues in the book that go off on these tangents. And one of the uh, segues unless it's one of Eddie's dreams, it's a a little bit confusing. Some of the format is a little confusing here and there. Anyway, yeah, this is one of Eddie's dreams. He's dressed in medieval clothing, like like around the time of Joan of Arc, that kind of attire. And they're ready to fight a battle, and they're in a castle. And outside, an army of monster germs is attacking. And the monster germs look like something out of Lord of the Rings, those uh, drooling, marauding beasts that they had to fight in Lord of the Rings, you might recall, Ron. And so here we have monsters, (coughs) monster germs attacking like some sort of army of dregs, attacking this castle filled with these teens, Um, Eddie imagining himself as a warrior and some of his friends, his co-warriors. And what this confirms, Ron... We were we were correct when we said, and I think this bears it out, what we're talking about right now, that the reason they wanted everybody to agree to take the jab and the reason they got so angry and um, uh, drummed up so much angst and scolding and opprobrium against anyone who resisted the jab was because they look at this like all for one, one for all. We all have to join the army, the defenses against this invader. This is a military mindset that was the COVIDocracy. So now they have kids, sure enough, getting together like an army, a medieval army in this case, and fighting off the marauding incoming germs. Yeah, it's too bad that they don't uh, apply that to tyranny, you know. Uh, or the people, border. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. why not that at the border, all these... Uh, these beasts at the border, you know, uh, sw- swimming the river, climbing under the fences, uh, tearing up the walls, coming on in, and and then federal agents coming down from the north helping them from the other side, and you're stuck in the middle, and you're trying to, I mean, uh, boy, if, uh, there's some pretty scary stuff going on, and this disease thing just ain't swinging for me. It's just not getting my attention. Uh, and I'm surprised they even went the comic book route, quite frankly, because I think under the eventocracy they got going, all they got to do is have another fake pandemic. You know, because a pandemic has no definition. All they got to do is get on the radio again and say, got another pandemic coming. It's called the yellow caca. The yellow caca number 12 is coming. And then we're right back into the same program. And then everybody starts pushing everybody around. Uh, And uh, (laughs) uh, we need to get down to liberty. Liberty and freedom is what we need more than anything instead of tyranny and uh, this CDC. I I like the name for CDC should really be Center for Disease Creation. Uh, They make it. They, they, they make the antidote, they make the disease, and they unleash it. I'm tired of them. Uh, yes, uh, well put. So we, we can be a 
group of brave defenders defending the castle, uh, raising up the drawbridge, filling the moat with alligators. We will not let these invading germs dressed as evil enemy soldiers get into our house, but we can just leave that border wide open (laughs) for them drug cartels and them traffickers. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's a talk about a conflict, uh, uh, an incongruency, man. It, it, is, it, it yeah. is amazing. I'll share a couple more things. We got about three minutes before the first break. A couple more details out of the Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak from DHHS, CDC, Texas State Department of Health, USDA, and 4-H. But a quick note, there's no clear indication of who actually conceived of, put together, and produced this. That's not made altogether clear. It names some... CDC personnel who were consulted, who seemed to have some sort of general contribution, but there's no uh, particular publishing house, writer, uh, cartoonist, illustrator, etc., named uh, in creating this. But moving on, um, when the marauding germs, uh, these nasty, drooling, marauding germs are attacking the castle in the form of enemy soldiers... There's a scroll that one of the good characters rolls out, and the germs have names, and influenza is a devilish, almost demonic-looking figure with green skin, kind of like the green of the Incredible Hulk, but spiky red hair, a big old red beard, and and glowing eyes with um, a kind of a unibrow, thick eyebrows. So a really nasty-looking character, that's influenza. So each disease, <laughs> each disease has a kind of demonic or monstrous-looking face. Yes. Uh, Mark, before you leave this uh, about who produced it, I would like to say one thing. When people, and I, I do notice that on the back cover or somewhere there, they had four uh, icons for companies and uh, agencies and things. I do believe the CDC was one of them. I, I don't know the other corporations that were on there. But in my mind, those are the creators. Now, whoever the the hired hands were that actually did the actual work is almost uh, irrelevant. Uh, we must credit those who signed it as the creators of it. I wouldn't say totally irrelevant, especially if it turned out to be a, a Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates related foundation entity or something. I just want to know who actually put pen to parchment on this. That being said, um, we're coming up on the break. Um, I'll describe some more pages in the next short segment after the upcoming ads and probably a little bit more uh, after station ID and the other ads at the bottom of the hour. But I want people to be able to access and read this on their own for free. Even the hard copy that I got at the library is free. I would also be interested from listeners live and on the archive. If you would go to your local library, maybe even a post office and see if you see this, um, magazines uh, slash comic book magazine um, and, and let us know how, how widespread it is. We'll be right back. Talk a simple smile Such platonic eye How they drown in incomplete capacity Strangest of them all When the fear it calls How we drown in stylistic audacity Charge the common ground Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing 
The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Welcome to the next segment here on RBN. Stop the Press is your host, Mark Anderson. I'm joined by Ron Avery. And we're talking about what appears to be a very recent release of what amounts to a comic book put out by the CDC and four other agencies, the Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak. And I'm going to make sure that there's information in the show notes, and I'm going to make myself uh, put something in the main RBN newsfeed at republicbroadcasting.org, like a short little article with the actual link to download the PDF. I want to make sure people can read this and see it. But also, like I said before the break, and I hope that got out clearly, I'd be interested in um, listeners to this show live and on the archive. I I do this show every Wednesday at uh, 1 p.m. Central, 2 2 p.m. Eastern to let me know if they found it in their own local library, post office, or other place where public information is handed out. It looks like a move of virtual desperation on the part of the CDC and other agencies trying to capture a particular uh, demographic and uh, propagandize them in what I would argue is a kind of hypnotic way. And, uh, Ron, one thing I noticed also... Um, it's it's hard in this short segment to get into much of the content. Maybe I'll have time for one one of those things. I've got at least two more sections of content I want to share. But on the back of the report, in light purple and kind of dark purple, is a um, whirlpool swirling kind of pattern that's known as a uh, vortex. And a vortex is oftentimes used in hypno- uh, hypnosis. It, um, When you stare at it for a while, it kind of has a hypnotic effect. And I don't know if that's coincidence or not. On the front of it, you see this: all the figures who are inside, 
all our superhero detectives, and they're kind of coming out of a lit center area that looks like uh, fireworks going off or a bright cloud bursting with energy. But around the outer edges of the front cover, you see the image of the vortex in its outer circles, concentric circles. But when you turn it over on the back, you see that vortex all the more clearly. And again, when I looked it up, uh, like vortex for hypnosis or things like that, it is a image, an image, a type of image that has been associated with hypnosis. That doesn't prove hands down that that was the intent. But what's your initial impression? Well, I did see that. Uh, that's I only saw the front and back cover, and uh, that, that's uh, most people have seen uh, the beginning of Twilight Zone. They have the same vortex that's and it's turning on the on the te- television, and it kind of focuses you down into the center. So, yeah, that's that's obviously the intent of it is uh, to. Uh, I think that what it's really saying is that this vortex is going to get you. You're being sucked into disease. This is all the disease, and you need to you need to fight, uh, and you need to take all your uh, injections to get out of the vortex, to, or you'll be sucked in, and you'll die in the center of this thing. Now, I, I'm going to correct myself. A vortex is a more generic description of it and is adequate, but the more specific description is a vector. I, uh-huh. uh, I, I did not use the proper term. It's actually a vector, V-E-C-T-O-R. And vectors, like a vortex, uh, have that beginning of the twilight zone from the 1960s yeah, you know, you, you look at it and it sucks you in. It kind of has a hypnotic effect. And you just can't help but wonder if that was intentional, that this is a form of what my friend Jason Mangum, a pastor, he called it subliminal uh, indoctrination. Yeah, so it's all like the whirlpool. You know, they even had that in some of the uh, pirate movies. You know, they have the one where all the, the ship is being... Uh, sucked down into this whirlpool thing. Same general idea. Yes, yes. And we can speculate, although I think maybe it's a little more than speculation, uh, that maybe that is an intentional thing, um, that at the very least they're trying to say that if we don't act and act as one, no dissent, then we'll all be sucked down into the vortex of everlasting illness. Or one could interpret it as um, almost something more proactive, like you will believe what we're telling you. You know, this is <laughs> one mind. This is one way of thinking. There's only one way of thinking. So it's a question of degree as well. Yes. I believe we have the uh, Harka here, the cannon roar. The uh, uh, message is coming up very momentarily. But yes, is. This, is, this is very interesting. And we'll talk much more about this. And other stuff. See you on the other side. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. 
First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Standing six foot four, weighing 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be the bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultation are free and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. And welcome to the second half of Stop the Presses here, the 31st of January, 2024. Your host, Mark Anderson. I'm joined by Ron Avery. And uh, I'm going to get away from the CDC aided and abetted and created um, kids magazine that I've been talking about for just a minute or two here. Uh, Ron, I did talk to James Roguski, the guy that's been keeping both eyes on the WHO uh, treaty and international health regulation developments, uh, as promised. I talked to him before the show on the phone, and he's in California. I'm also authorized to give out his number on the air for people that want to get involved in opposing the development of the treaty and the um, further development of the international health regulations, which have been uh, in existence actually since 1969. But you might find this interesting, Ron, what James Roguski is saying. Uh, he and I have slightly different takes on this, but not greatly different. That, that what's going on now, more than anything, is a, quote, trade dispute, end quote. And what he says is that um, what's going on behind closed doors, while it involves the treaty, the international health regs and all that, largely is focused on small countries wanting in on Big Pharma's profits, it works something like this. Uh, Big Pharma will go into whatever country. It could be Botswana. It could be Madagascar. You name it. And pirate genomic information and material in order to patent it and profit from it. And the countries that are the sources of genomic material, it could be a pathogen that's 
quote-unquote discovered. Ooh, didn't see that coming. And that pathogen might become the next Omicron variant or something they peddle out in front of the public for the fear factor. And then the country where that pathogen was found, however, or something else was found there that Big Pharma can use for profit, that country wants in on it. In other words, you can't just come in and mine, M-I-N-E, mine or remove what you want from my country. You've got to um, give us a piece of the action. So not only are you going to get the raw material from our country, but we want you to put a plant here where you manufacture vaccines or, or a plant where you might manufacture some kind of equipment to go along with vaccines, or it might be some other manufacturing or business concern. So the sharing of vaccines, we heard about that a lot, Ron, during the COVIDocracy. Well, the poor nations are not getting all the vaccines from the rich nations that they should be getting. And we would also hear that within the U.S., for example, the poor minority neighborhoods are being deprived of proper supplies of the COVID jab. And, oh, isn't that terrible? They all just sit around. They can't wait to get the jab. Where's my jab? Uh, Much the way they'd want an ice cream cone or something. And so what we're actually seeing, according to Roguski, is these poor nations, far from just wanting vaccines made in America, want to be able to make their own or at least have Big Pharma put a plant up in their country and then they're more they're more comfortable supplying whatever raw materials um, might be um, seized by big pharma because they're now getting getting a piece of the action, and so the trade dispute that's going on is between smaller countries that want in and larger countries that are standing behind big pharma and saying no. Big Pharma should be able to make all these decisions. These smaller countries shouldn't be able to to demand anything of Big Pharma. And that's where the tug of war is, um, according to James Roguski, which is interesting. Uh, He says it has less to do uh, with that, less to do about sovereignty and more to do about this trade dispute, maybe to a significant degree. I would somewhat disagree, if only because any U.N. body, the W.H.O., or the WMO, the World Meteorological Organization, or the um, International Office on Migration, the IOM, that has supply chain outlets along the migration path from Ecuador Ecuador to the Texas border, that UN agency, IOM, is helping provide the caravan marchers who are uh, breaching the border, providing them with water and food and and directions and train tickets and and all that. So the UN IOM agency is involved in the border breach, which does diminish U.S. sovereignty. So what I would argue, Ron, on top of what James Roguski is reporting about the trade dispute, is that any UN agency, the WHO, the IOM, the UN itself, by definition, is something that one way or another, one degree or another, threatens sovereignty by its very existence. So the WHO pandemic treaty negotiations and the IHR, I would argue, very much impinge on sovereignty because of where and what it comes from, even though the trade dispute might be the hotter topic or the hotter issue right now behind the scenes. Uh, What is your take on that, Ron? This might be the first time you've heard this. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh I'm just trying to absorb that and uh, think about that. I didn't even know that they were uh, acting as uh, assistance to the supply train and are, are being a supply source for those on the way to the southern border of America. Uh, I, I think all that stuff's illegal. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you should be funding people to go to some other country. Uh you know, like Gaza right now, the the, uh, the Antichrist wants to move all the Gazans uh, out of Gaza and into some other countries. <clears throat> well, nobody wants that. They're all yelling about that. Nobody wants to take all these Gazans in. And I can see why that that'd be trouble, you know. 
but there there seems to be no no we we can't do that here in America. Uh, and first of all, I don't like anything about the UN. I think it was a corrupt organization when it was created. Uh, I think it uh, it illegally and unlawfully created even the state of Israel, uh, the, the capital of the Antichrist. Uh, and the center of those that are truly antichrist. And uh, I, I'm just sick of that whole thing. I'm, I'm sick of supporting the antichrist. Uh, it just seems like uh, antichrists are all over in the highest offices of our country and the Pentagon and throughout and uh, all these uh, high-level positions it has. And it, it seems like the American people do not control or sit in the controlling office of a single damn thing. And I'm just really tired of all that. Yes, uh, well said. Uh, but for the record, this trade dispute and smaller countries wanting to get in on big pharma's profits and be a part of the system, if materials are being accessed or mined from those countries of origin, is... In terms of my reporting and commentary, a pretty new topic, but it's an important thing to add to the discussion. But again, the working group on the international health regulations and the intergovernmental negotiating body, the first working on the regs, the second on the treaty, because it's UN associated through the WHO, is intrinsically a threat to U.S. sovereignty no different than the UN's IOM migration organization actually fostering uh, illegal immigration into the United States. So that really de facto proves that all the UN agencies are going to behave that way. The one irony, Ron, is that, and this is ironic, but I always give credit where credit's due, the WHO, I don't know exactly what their motivations are, whether they're they're doing the right thing for the right reasons or the right thing for the wrong reasons. But the WHO has been, according to the press releases I regularly get from them, uh, based on me being a UK column reporter, the WHO is doing the most to try and get supplies to the Gazans, food, medicine, water, and so on, and has spoken out against Israel quite vociferously. Um, it's a welcome thing. It's a little puzzling. I wonder when the other shoe's going to drop or what else might be involved there. I'm not <laughs> totally sold on it, but giving yes. credit where credit's due, at least in the exigency of these very serious extenuating circumstances, at least in that sense, the WHO is apparently, stressing that word, apparently doing the right thing, saying you know, this is outrageous. Uh, Israel's killed some of our field workers. We can't get supplies hardly at all to the Gazans. They're on the run. Like you said, you know, this so-called Israeli state imagines itself as as a legitimate nation state, I would beg to differ, um, is just believes it can just um, harness people and and just push them out out of their homelands and uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, And uh, it's so unjust, it's almost unspeakable. It's, It's hard to find the words. Any other time, and I know we're kind of getting away from our um, comic inter- book by the, by the CDC, inter- but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to interject one other thing shortly because it won't take but a second. But uh, uh, in regard to the UN and uh, its uh, sloppy response, even though they do complain about uh, the actions of the Antichrist State of Israel, they at the International Court of Justice, which is a UN uh, organization, uh, has has told Israel to uh, to to not commit genocide in in Gaza. Well, it's uh, but it didn't tell them to. It didn't order a ceasefire. It didn't command any so any action whatsoever. Well, it's another one of these things. What is the definition of genocide? They've already done it. They, whenever you you move two uh, over two million people of a of a nation that 
is has two and a half million people in it, and you've destroyed almost every multi-story building in there. You've destroyed even their, uh, you might even call them utility, underground utilities. They've dug up the graveyards. What, what in the hell haven't they destroyed in Gaza? Uh, and, and so we've already witnessed the genocide. It should have said stop. The genocide, and if you don't, we're we're going to bring military action against you. All right. So, what is the use of the UN? It ought to be flushed down the toilet because it is, it's 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 unlawful. It's a coffee club. It can't really do anything. All it does is clamp down on nations. It impedes freedom and liberty. It never gets around to doing the good job. So I say get rid of it. I think every nation on the world should should be in favor of their own nation and look out for their own nation, and that's it. Yeah, so based on that view of it, the WHO's humanitarian interventions and the world court might be looked at. On the one hand, they said they, they said some of the right things and they did some of the right things, but especially in the court, they ultimately um, talked too little too late, although some of the barristers that spoke out made some very salient points. I listened to some of the speeches, particularly from South Africa. Yes. And, and that's all good and well, and I welcome it. But where's the teeth, right? Um, exactly. When, when we were told that the Axis powers were marauding through Europe, uh, Italy and Hitler's Germany in, in the 1940s, late 30s, whatever, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, sink the Bismarck. It was we all got to get together and stop these fascist tyrants. Uh, and we would move heaven and earth, the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, Company B, we're going, here come the bombers, even Jimmy Stewart's going to be a bomber, he's going to stop making movies for a while and drop bombs on people, and uh, it, these were right-wing governments, we're told, uh, and we're told, of course, the right-wing is the huge thing that we must fear 24-7, 365, but, but somehow BB's right-wing government can do the very atrocities and really really worse in a way, in many ways, because of how up close and personal this is within the densely populated area known as Gaza. Um, they can get away with murder on steroids and not even really even have their hands slapped, whereas yesteryear we would have had intervening Western nations and a country be, uh, behaving like Israel had it behaved like Israel, would have been bombed into oblivion. That's right. That's exactly right. It, it's interesting how things change. We were told by the globalists that uh, with the um, uh, Bretton Woods Agreement, yes. and in the 1940s, before World War II was even over in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, creation of the uh, the UN had been created in 1945. Then they created the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund at Bretton Woods. And they created the uh, basic taproot of the World Trade Organization there. And we were told that that would usher in the rules-based international order. And these kind of wars between nations <clears throat> would be a thing of the past. But then they tried to make nationhood the whole idea of being an individual nation, they're also trying to make that a thing of the past, witness the U.S. southern border and the Western Hemisphere. But then they also implied that these belligerent right-wing fascist governments like Hitler and Mussolini and whatnot, um, Imperial Japan, etc., <clears throat> that that kind of specter would never be allowed to raise its ugly head again because we're all happy as members of the rules-based international order. And yet, Israel is completely shattering the whole spirit of the globalist rules-based order. And it's interesting that they allow Israel to slide on that, but any other country that did, did anything even remotely nationalistic involving the military, even if it was something in self-defense, such as 
Hungary trying to keep out uh, too many migrants from crossing its border, let's say, or whatever country might do something somewhat assertive of its nationhood, I think they'd be stopped dead in his tracks. You'll notice that the Houthi, we send a few ordinances their way. Who can really describe who the Houthi really are, right? It's kind of opaque. It sounds like something created by the CIA itself. Are they even real? But digressing from that, they supposedly and allegedly attacks the shipping lanes, and we can bomb them, but we can't lift a finger to stop Israel. And I'm not suggesting we should bomb Israel, not by any way, shape, or form. But with history as our teacher, a country behaving like Israel would have been militarily stopped from what it's doing. Let's just face the facts. Well, you know, I, th- I think one thing that's really confusing, uh, and it's confusing to me, uh, when they talk about a two-state solution, well, it, it's obvious that the, we don't have a, t- a two-state solution for uh, the West Bank and the, and the Palestinians, really, uh, and Gaza, all that, and Israel. Uh, there, there is no two-state two solution because they're talking about having one. So there must. What have we have? What have we uh, in place now? It's a one-state solution. It's Israel and prison camps. Uh, so literally, Israel is an unlawful nation right on its face. You can't you can't have a lawful nation that takes a, a religious uh, religious groups. Uh, and a particular uh, 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 races and make them uh, 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 slaves or, or to deny them equal rights. Uh, uh, there, there's no Palestinians that I know of that are in the Knesset. They have nothing to do with the running of Israel. Uh, so the, the one-state solution is absolutely evil and unlawful, and the whole world ought to say so. Because if that's what lawful government is, is we can just round up people and put them in prison camps and wall them off and and not provide them access to uh, any kind of supplies and keep them in poverty forever, groveling around at your feet. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the state of Israel really needs to go one way or another. It needs to go. I think ultimately it will go, even if it has to be at the hand of Christ Jesus returning. Uh, but this this thing is way out of control. Uh, the Antichrist is running the United States. It is running uh, uh, most of Europe, and that's how this this antichrist capital of the world, Israel, is able to do anything it wants to whenever it wants to. Yeah, it, it is a vexing and terrible thing because logically, how can you have a two-state solution if Palestine, the original state until um, Israeli settler, settlers moved in beginning in 1948, Al-Nakba and all that, when right now Palestine is not a state at all to begin with. So are they saying that then they'll create a Palestinian state where none exists? Because you can argue right now that none exists and none really, let's face it, none really has ever existed according to Israel's point of view. So how can you have a two-state solution if there's never been a Palestinian state since 1948? There's one one state. Yes, and doesn't doesn't the Palestine, don't Palestinians uh, occupy Gaza and don't they occupy uh, the West Bank? Then why isn't the West Bank and Gaza independent nations? And why doesn't the world stand up and say, "Hey, jackal, what are you doing over there in Gaza? You get the hell out of there. That's a that's a different nation, man. And you can't be you can't be annihilating a bunch of innocent people that had nothing to do with this particular incident. You can't destroy every building in the country. You can't run run everybody out of their homes. Not everybody had anything to do with that. And and why why can't these other nations actually have 
militaries and ships and air forces and all of that. See, the, they are simply depriving Gaza and the West Bank of actually being a state. They don't recognize them as a state, and they don't have the ability to be a state. Uh, I mean, the whole thing is such a criminal, disgusting, wicked concept that it, it, it's, it's, it's just almost too much to, to comprehend. Yeah, I'll just, before I get back to the initial topic very quickly here, yeah, I'll just mention that clearly, from Israel's point of view, and really in reality, uh, after 1948, there never has been a Palestinian state. It's just Israel uh, imprisoning them and putting them in sectors called the West Bank and Gaza and kind of acting like the Palestinians had a remnant of their original state. But that's been denied to them a long time ago. So to have a two-state solution, they'd have to actually create a new Palestinian state to begin with. And they're not going to do that. So all the talk about a two-state solution is hot air and in my opinion, and I hope I'm not wrong, but in my opinion, it has no merit and no basis in reality. It's just hot air. You got it. It's totally hot air because why? Israel will not permit it. The Antichrist state of Israel will not permit any such a thing. Therefore, it won't happen because they are running the world. Yeah, so why why should the Palestinians enter into a two-state solution with the, this um, uh, tyrannical country that's bombing it to bits and to, into oblivion, are you going to enter into a pact or an agreement with that aggressor? Uh, the, the whole idea is just completely absurd. But anyway, uh, digressing, I want to thank everyone for listening today. We're in kind of the last minute or so of today's show. Um, I will make it very clear on how to get copies of the Junior Disease Detectives Operation Outbreak. We can't be too careful. The propaganda is going to come at us <clears throat> from all different directions. They've had their JN1 variant. Now they talk about disease X, this mystery disease. And we cannot let this COVIDocracy regrow itself or expand itself, depending on how you define it. But we, can't, we, we cannot afford or allow a repeat of 2020, period. That has to be at the top of our list even though these things going on in Gaza and many other issues are very important, stopping that treaty and stopping that kind of uh, regulatory power from diminishing our uh, medical uh, right to consent, right to refuse, and so on down the list is, is of paramount importance. But thanks for being with me today, Ron. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see everybody next time. Stay tuned for the next show here on RBN. Have a great week. Have you been looking for a trusted long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls plus testing for heavy metals makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from Simply Clean Foods, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on Long-Term Food Storage in the rotating sponsors' banners to support RBN. Simply Clean Foods. Do it today. 
You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.